as we conspire this Advent to do things differently and turn our Christmas upside down. They are words we need to hear during this season. They are words that we need to listen to that come from your very heart and from the story of your birth. So pour into our hearts this morning. Convict us, challenge us, guide us. Let us conspire to give Christmas back to you and to give this Christmas away. In Jesus Christ's name we ask and pray these things in the power of your Holy Spirit and the people of God said together, Amen. Once again, thanks to Louise for last week to be able to preach. Uh, She had successful shoulder surgery. I'm sure she's taking a break from that. And uh, she was here at the canteen on Friday night, so we were glad to have her and appreciate her willingness to help. You can follow along in our Bible app this morning and be able to see all the notes and what is going on with all the sermon pieces of that. Several years ago, John Grisham wrote a book called Skipping Christmas. It was later turned into a movie called Christmas with the Cranks. Anybody seen Christmas with the Cranks? Oh, we have some... We have some devotees over on this side, a few over here. The story is about a man who figures out how much he spends on Christmas. It's Tim Allen, by the way. And he's so frustrated by his discovery, he decides he and his wife, Jamie Lee Curtis, should take a cruise and not do any of the gift-buying, house-decorating, and party-throwing they normally would do. The story is about the pressure he and his wife receive from their neighbors. I mean, one of, the, one of the things is, you're skipping Christmas? Isn't that against the law? And the pressure by the town by not going along with the Christmas traditions. It's a really funny movie, and I, I, I like it. Though it is an extreme, it does highlight the pressure we feel to do Christmas right. As part of the Advent conspiracy, we are trying to bring more balance to our Christmas celebration. This is not about boycotting Christmas. The traditions we have are wonderful. The point of this conspiracy is to have to stop and consider what we do and why we do them. In the first week, I invited us to worship fully this Advent by taking up the worshipful attributes seen in the key players of Christmas. Could we in these next five weeks be like Mary who had offered, Joseph who obeyed, the angels who adored, or the wise men who bowed? Last week, the conspiracy's challenge was to let that gift of Jesus' birth inspire us to spend less at Christmas. And before I think I'm getting all Scrooge on you, let me explain what that really means. We like gifts. Kids like really like gifts. I get it. Spending less on Christmas doesn't mean we love our friends and family any less because we spend a lesser amount of money. And the conspiracy is not trying to take away the Christmas traditions. Economically speaking, spending less does not mean spending nothing, though I doubt any of us would spend nothing. But consider this. From Gallup, Americans 2019 holiday spending plans at the beginning of the season. Consumers estimate they will spend $942, up sharply from a year ago at 885 Record high, 37 plan to spend 1000 or more, up from 
Another 21% will spend between $500 and $999. And 27 between $100 and $499. And while 3% less than $100. So figure out where you're at in that. A relatively high proportion plan to spend more than usual, 18%. That the mall was more crowded this year? You're correct, it was. Only 16% say they will spend less this year than in 2018, a record low in almost 50 years. And 65% say they will spend about the same on gifts this year as they spent a year ago. I mean, how often have you spent money on Christmas presents for no other reason than obligation? Or received one like that? Thanks, but no thanks, right? You need to get me anything. I mean, you really didn't need to get me anything. We get presents in the mail sometimes, from, you know, and they don't, people don't even know us. So it's just something. There's not really anything to it. There's a great video that's out there on Facebook. I wish I could show to you from the Southern tradition. I share a lot of those videos. But it's all about re-gifting. And this woman takes, takes a present her grandmother gave her, a foot massage, a foot bath thing, and she takes it to work and gives it to one of the co-workers and there's this big trial that happens because of in the South of regifting something from your grandmother is like the line you don't cross. But it happens, right? That one thing we get, we're like, oh, well, someone else would just love this. this is the, I don't like it. Spending less is an ambiguous goal, to say the least. What does that even mean? Spending less than what I spent last year? Spend less than the average American, which most aren't going to do, as you kind of see? Well, it's yes and no. The key is to ask the questions aloud. And they're willing to engage in the tension they create. I hope that it creates tension in you to even think about how you change things and do things differently. Because that's the point. It should. They're hard questions. Spend less is a challenge to thoughtfully evaluate what we're supporting with our spending, Louise told us last week. Does it support our local community? What about all the business right behind us? How many of us have gone in to support them and to be a part of that? If you're not looking for a dentist, you might be looking for batteries for sure, though. And there's a place you need to go, and he changes watch batteries for a special discount for us and all these different things. Get your nails done. These places are ours. You can't get any closer. They're a stone's throw. You can literally walk across the place or Taco Bell that's coming in now. Almost ready to open? Or like Teriyaki Madness. You know, Chris has been nothing but wonderful to us. Have you bought a gift card from there? I love a gift card from Teriyaki Madness. Most of the time when I go, you know, I'm like, if I need to get some food, it's right there. I mean, it's literally right there. Taco Bell opens up, flood me with Taco Bell gift cards. It's great. <laughs> we love Taco Bell. I mean, but, but it also supports the people. Yeah, it's a corporation, but at the same time, the people behind those counters aren't corporate people. They are making a living. And the other piece of the joint, the joint chiropractic is open now. Ash was actually here, the manager of that place. Ash was here yesterday at Feed the Need serving. He wants to always, he's always asking, what can we do? Right now, there are coupons in both these desks where you can get a free, a free exam to figure out what's going on with you if your back's hurting or something else is going. No obligations. They just want to be helpful. Just want to be part of the community. So how do we support them? How do we do these things? As Louise asked, what about environmental concerns? Where, where is it made? By who? 
How much more Chinese junk do we really need? Is it recyclable? Is it reusable? Is it fair trade made by somebody's hands in another country where they've actually spent time thinking about it? Most of my, a lot of my activities are, are that kind of way. They're made by artisans in other countries. And it's just neat to think that somebody actually made this, not in a factory. And also the impact of our gift has on the receiver. What story does our gift giving tell our children? Is it really healthy to give our children all that they want? Does it really build character? When I first got here, you know, we, we, would, we would do things like we would want to, and it's great, but we would spend $1,000 on one of the angel tree families to buy everything they possibly want. And I'm like, well, why would you do that? Why would you set it up so that it is great, but why would you set it up so that everybody gets everything they ever wanted? How does that really work? Is that really what Christmas is about? To make sure that my entire list is completed and filled? To get to think about, you know, what, what are we really trying to do? We had a family that wanted to have an Xbox and wanted to have this thing and this thing like that on this high-end stuff. And it's just like, we're not really doing that. We're not here to fulfill your gift wants. We want to help, but, we'll, but that's not what it's all about in the first place. And so if we bought all that stuff and then gave it to that family, what would we be teaching them? Nothing. And our kids would continue to grow up with this idea that I put it on my, lit, my wish list, my want list, my want list, and I get everything I want. What is there left to get in life? There isn't. Does it really build character? I mean, sometimes we've all been guilty of that. We give our kids too much. We bought too much stuff along the way. I've done it. And all of a sudden you go to wrap it and there's 1,500 presents. And you're like going, oh my gosh, we shouldn't have done all that. I thought we only had six gifts over here. Now there's 20. And it's just like, is 20 gifts better than having six gifts? Does it feel any different after you unwrap the 15th gift and matter what it is and gone, oh my gosh, that's great. And then gone to the side so you can get to the next one? Or does it overwhelm our kids with gifts, even out of love? Does the sheer volume distract them from the celebration of Jesus in the midst? Because of all the mounds of wrapping paper and ribbons and bows. Do you see Jesus in any of that? It's a hard place to be. Maybe it could be simpler like some have done. Maybe you've done this too. A trend which has gained traction over the past few years on social media is the four gift rule. Anybody do the four gift rule in here? So let me tell you what the four gift rule is. Parents pledge to give their kids just four presents. Something they want, something they need, something to wear, and something to read. You go on social media, it's everywhere. Maybe three gifts for the wise men. But of course, there were four to seven wise men, so you got a little leeway there. And maybe, just maybe, that wouldn't just be a good thing just for the kids, but it actually might be a good thing for everybody. How much do you really need? When I became an adult, one of the things was is that basically you got what you wanted to get whenever you wanted to get it. It wasn't one time a year. You went out to the store and you bought what it is you want. So by the time you get to Christmas, it's kind of like nowadays, you're kind of like, well, what do you really need? I don't really need anything. What do you really want? Well, I'm not really sure because I already bought the last thing I wanted. Happens to us all the time. And most importantly, whether or not we are taking our gift-giving cues from the gift God gave in Christ. 
The truth is, while given even in the most good intentions, and while that moment under the tree together can be almost magical, the gifts we give one another are often excessive, impersonal, and easily forgotten. It tends to be the way that we are. Tickle me Elmo, you know, was that really the gift that really kept on giving for the rest of your life? Mm, yeah, right? An obnoxious gift, wasn't it? Kick it down the stairs, right? We'd never do that to Elmo. It's okay. We'd never do that. Sitting through piles of things we don't need and never use. You know you have closets full of stuff that you're like, why do I even have this? Why is it still here? Why is it cluttering up everything? I got it at Christmas one year. I don't even remember. I don't even remember where it came from. And something deep inside us when we're sifting through all that tells us we've missed it. It tells us that, you know, whatever our soul longs for this time of year, that's not it. It wasn't the latest karaoke microphone that I bought my daughter a couple years ago and she used once. Right? It's not. I gotta have it. I gotta have it. I just gotta have that. Most of those things have no, they're not what we really need to have. Many reach the end of Advent season with an aching emptiness. And so they rebel against some of this craziness. The idea is to spend less that goes along together. And it can seem simple right on many levels, but the challenge doesn't stop there because spend less from last week attaches to give more this week. You see, the full challenge is to spend less, but also give more of what really matters. How do we do that? What does the moment look like on Christmas in that way? What impact does that have on the givers and the receivers beyond that day? Last week, Pastor Louise asked us to remember gifts from five years ago or a year ago. And really, if I put you to task, I don't think you can remember much of that. Maybe a year ago, maybe five years ago, maybe that one special thing you might have gotten. And think about why it's special, too, if it's five years ago and you still remember it. But the question I want to ask you is, what is the most meaningful gift you have ever received at Christmas? What is the most meaningful gift you have ever received at Christmas? I mean, there's a picture frame on my desk that I received at some point, maybe not Christmas, but it has a picture of Hannah when she's much younger with shells around it and her name, and it sits right there. You see it every time you come into my office. This Christmas, uh, I received... uh, from Brittany May, this. You know why? You know, the card represents, right? Once you've lost someone and someone has died, then the cardinal is a symbol of hope. Well, Brittany lost her dad several years ago. And so this gift isn't just a piece of cheap plastic. It's from her heart to mine. So I knew when she gave it, It was meaningful because the loss of her dad and the loss of mine. So you think about those kind of pieces and that sort of thing. I was looking through, um, so I had some of my dad's, when I had all my dad's stuff, and I I found some things like I found this uh, letter from Santa Claus from 1974. And I also found this. You know what this is. It's a letter from me, from, from somebody to me. It's from 
but it's written in somebody's handwriting. I can't tell you because there's still kids in this room. That will never happen again. I never seen it except from back then. 1978, I was eight years old. Probably the last year of still believing in that way. And then the other day we were going, we went to, um, I should have brought a picture of that too. You need to go to the Hancock House. Never been in the Hancock House. You need to go there. Hancock House, you pass it 5,000 times on the way to Kroger, uh, going towards Gallatin on your left-hand side, and wonder, why is it an old house, and why is it a bed and breakfast? You need to go there. So the Hancock House has wonderful food, and the staff all went there for our staff appreciation, and it was an amazing time and a beautiful place. You can call them up anytime you want to. Uh, Roberta and her husband Carl run it. They were running it for the last 42 years. So we're sitting, we're sitting in there, and we're, this, is, this was on the table, and it had water in it. And it was beautiful, and we're looking at it going, that's a beautiful piece. And it's like, wow, that would really look good to be able to do remembering your baptisms, to imagine that piece you know, up there during that time in January, and it's just beautiful. And so we're just talking, Roberta's telling her stories to us, and she's a, she's a real uh, piece of work. She's a beautiful woman. And uh, so... I was saying, where did you get this? We got them at Old Time Pottery and that sort of thing. Oh, it's awesome. I need to go to Old Time Pottery and pick one of these up. Do they still have them? And, you know, I want to use it for doing baptisms. And, and uh, when you're remembering our baptisms. And she said, she said, take it. You pour the water out of it right now and you can have it. I don't know how much it costs. Not a lot, I expect. But you know, every time that I do the remembering our baptisms for the rest of my time in ministry, every time I use it, I'm going to remember Roberta. Every time. What is the most meaningful gift you have ever received? And why? It's something you've got to think about because you have to figure that out because, because then you can begin to think about what, what, why is it so meaningful? What was it that touched you? Why do you still remember that gift today? It's just a guess, but you probably aren't remembering a gift card from the shop at the mall. Wow, I remember I got that Lowe's gift card. That was amazing. That was the best gift I ever got. Maybe you bought the clothes with it, maybe, at at Old Navy or something like that. I don't know. It's not a huge diamond bracelet hanging on the tree, probably, that comes to your mind. Most of us, the special gift we best remember is a different kind of gift. It's a relational gift. Something relational. Just like Roberta giving me the water vase. I don't know if it happened in gradually or was it just we've never stopped to think about it intentionally before, but even worship, worship every Sunday kind of Christians have drifted from this liberating, straightforward truth of Christmas season, which is this. God's answer to the world's problems was not material things. God didn't say, I'm going to send down a bunch of stuff. God didn't send down a bunch of stuff. God's gift was himself. Amen? That's the gift of Christmas. That when we were in need, God would send down God's Son. And so what if we work to make our main inspiration for giving gifts at Christmas to be the reason for Christmas himself, Jesus Christ? What if we let the same mind be in us that was in Christ Jesus in Philippians 2.5 says... And we asked of any purchase we make, what do you think of all of this, Jesus? Is this how we are celebrating your birthday? 
is what you have in mind? Ask that question. We're afraid to. We're afraid to ask that question because we don't want to hear the answer. The miracle of Christmas is the infinite becoming finite. An infant fully human and fully God. That's the profound truth that lies at the heart of our historic Christian faith since the very beginning. In the words of poetry, the gospel writer of John tries to describe the first Christmas gift that was Jesus, or as he calls it, the Word, capital W. He says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And all things came into being through Him, and without Him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in Him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. We often seem to rush past that mind-stretching claims of those first verses. We miss the power of John's word. This is John's birth story, just like it is in Luke and in Matthew. This is John's birth story. So hear them in a different way, for a different translation. It says, Before time itself was measured, the voice was speaking. The voice was and is God. This celestial word remained ever present with the Creator. His speech shaped the entire cosmos. That's who Jesus is. The one whose speech shaped the entire universe. These words are epic, if a bit abstract, but get to the heart of this radical and risky act of love that is called the incarnation, God with skin on. John John continues to verse 14 to this critical line, which all of us know, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. That is a universe-sized God who had no reason to do it, but decided to come down and become one of us with skin and bone and voice and heart. This epic-sized God, as Alan Hirsch said, moved into our neighborhood in an act of humble love, the likes of which the world has never known. This incarnation is what we celebrate. When we gather for worship, it becomes tangible as just as the bread and the juice do. It's the reason for the season, for the incarnation, for Emmanuel, for God draws near. And so what can we learn from the gift of Jesus about giving gifts at Christmas if we understand this? The first thing we learn is God gave us his presence. His presence. We sing, O come, come, Emmanuel, each year. Remind one another this means God with us. But do we allow that Emmanuel reality to permeate the way we live during the Advent season? Could it be possible that even our gift giving could be drenched with this beautiful moment when God gave us his presence in a unique and flesh way? Can we still live that out in our lives? In the era of shared Google calendars and off-the-chart monthly family agendas, time is perhaps our most precious commodity. And in a world where we're more connected than ever before, oh, we're so connected. I mean, we can call, we can text, we can Facebook, we can Instagram, we can tweet, we can group me. But we live in a fractured, 
pseudo-community that somehow believes it's connected when it is not. We have a need to be with each other, to hear another voice, to see another face, to hold another hand. And we make our time to be present together. Our presence is a present. It's a relational gift. Amen? The gift is being present with one another. Second, the gift of Jesus was personal. Luke's account of the Christmas story includes that very famous angelic line, Today to you is born... Today you... Oh my gosh, when I write it wrong. Today you is born? Oh my gosh. I know, I copied it directly from my notes. Today is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. A Savior is born to you. That's a very personal gift. We've all given and received gifts that were less than personal. Insert your own example here. You know you have them. Generic disposable gifts that are not only a waste of money, but they partially scream, I haven't thought about you in a long time, but I still feel obligated to give you something. Merry Christmas. Is that the kind of giving moving us any closer to celebrating the story of Jesus? Is the gift the most important thing? I've got to have a gift no matter what. I've got to give a gift. I've got to do it. I've got to give a gift. I've got to figure something out. I can't figure anything out. Is that really what's important then? If you've got to figure it out? I mean, relational giving means we pay attention to the other person. We think about who they are and what they care about. Not the size or the cost that matters, but the content. Jan and Wayne gave me a gift out of their yard sale stuff. It's in the Christmas Angel. But more than that, and I almost brought it, they gave me several years ago this wonderful picture that hangs by my door during the whole year. It's, the, it's a piece of the advertisement for It's a Wonderful Life, framed. I'll always remember that. That's a relational gift. I can't even put a cost on what that would be. If it got broken or destroyed or damaged, I would really be hurting for that. How can I replace that? If it, if it wasn't old, but it came from somebody else, they give us bacon every year a lot of times too. We eat that, but the bacon's always good. Those are relational gifts to know what somebody else wants or needs, not the size or the cost that matters, but the content. And in case you're wondering, yes, that means it's a more difficult way of giving. We have gotten to the place where we like it to be easy and simple and push a button and just order something and then send it to somebody's house or even, you know, maybe wrap it up ourselves, but just get it from Amazon or wherever else. And third, the gift of Christ was costly. That's what it leads into. In Philippians 2, 6 through 7, we hear that in Christ, God emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant. He did not force his way into our world as a powerful king, but came in the humblest of ways, a way that led to the cross. And the gift God gave cost God everything. What that tells us is that relational giving is going to cost us something. And it's not necessarily money. It's going to cost us, not to the depth of Jesus, but it's going to cost us, relational gifts cost us time. They cost us energy. To make something takes a lot more time than to go buy something on Amazon. To figure out the right gift for someone 
takes a lot more time than just saying, hey, everybody's getting one of these. Or here's a gift card. Go figure it out yourself. It'd be easier to stop by the store, go online, grab a gift card, buy something in the ballpark. Well, he's into Star Trek, so we'll just get him something. Well, that's close. I'm not going to turn anything Star Trek down. Or Star Wars is all over my desk. But those things, you have to know me to know that. If you bought me something that was, if I like Star Trek, and you bought me something, well, he likes Star something. I don't know which one it is. Let's just get him something. And you went and put Star Wars on my desk, and I like Star Trek, then probably it's like, well, you don't really know me then, do you? Or maybe you do. If you bought me Ohio State material, I would throw you out, first of all. (laughs) Second, that would definitely tell me, that would definitely tell me you do not know me at all, and our relationship is over. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you see, it takes more to do that. Intentionality takes planning. There's a list in the bullets and the ways you can do that. On the whole right-hand side, there's a whole list of things. You don't know what to do? Go look at that list. Do something from that list in the bullets and start there. Just choose one thing. Maybe you adopted angels on the angel tree and you've still heard about a family that's still in need. Help them. You've gone to the alternative gift market and looked at those things and gone, I should do one of these things. You just haven't done it yet, but you need to do it to help the rescue mission or to, or, or to do something else along those lines on the sheet. Maybe you're going to buy a single sheet for the heifer project, but you didn't realize a whole flock of sheep would do much more. So buy the whole flock of sheep. Do it. If you're willing to go buy an Xbox or something else like that, then go buy a flock of sheep that somebody will live off of more than the Xbox, which will be dead and gone in three or four years. It'll change a whole life. Imagine if you have a picture into that world and you can see how that flock of sheep had changed that community and what they were living off of. You do it every time. If you can see it. See that we should spend less at Christmas. But here's the thing. Except when you should spend more. Because here's the deal. You should spend less on the other stuff so you can spend more on the things that really count. Amen? Because those things change lives. So yeah, spend more on those things. Definitely spend more on those things. But whatever you come with as a family is going to be most meaningful. When you talk about it and decide as a family what you're going to do, that makes a big difference. And relational giving will also be risky at times. What if they don't like it? What if they don't understand the intent? You know, you got that gift card, you got that special thing that came from Heifer, and you, you bought that, and then you gave it to somebody else. I bought a sheep in your name. Wow, that's the gift that keeps on giving, right? That's what you want to get. And so your parents, your family, or somebody else looks at you and goes, you bought me a sheep for Christmas? Yeah, it's risky. It's risky. If they know you, maybe they understand your heart. You hope, at least. What if they don't appreciate the time you put in expressing love for them? We make a gift sometimes, you know, it didn't turn out the way you really want it to. It looks like, well, you know what it looks like. And you still give it, and you're just hoping, well, hope they really... How many times has it ever been, you know, oh my gosh, this is a piece of junk. I don't want this. You made this. Let me throw this in the trash. And how many times people say that? Only the Morton family, right? I saw you, Casey. I saw you. No, we don't do that from things from our kids give us or somebody else has made for us. We don't do that. You know why? Because it's a reflection of the incarnation. It's a reflection of a personal gift that is given to us. Didn't Jesus give himself knowing fully well that some would misunderstand or reject him? 
Aren't we as Christians knowing that what we say sometimes will not be well liked whatsoever? I will not preach a sermon every time that you like. You may not like this one, but it doesn't mean I'm going to stop from doing it. Because that's not what we're supposed to do. As Christians, we're supposed to be bold and stand up for what we believe and not just sink back into whatever it is that we're supposed to do because the world tells us to. Part of relational giving is understanding that our heartfelt gifts simply might not be appreciated. Hopefully through even the coldest of hearts, they'll be warmed though. But the gift is not about the giver or the receiver, really. The gift is about Jesus. This is a hard change to make. Several times in my life, I have tried to get families to make this change. We don't do this so much in this family, but my previous family and in-laws, then the idea of just giving each, one, each other one gift was a complete anathema to them whatsoever. And the fight began. It put a lot of strain on us to buy all the presents for everybody in the family. And then also receive lots of stuff that had no meaning whatsoever to us. So we put those rules in the place that you can do, like, you know, up to a certain age, kids all receive a gift from everybody in the family, when adults, and then after that, you're done. You gather together, you have fun, you enjoy good food, you know, you get one gift for each other maybe or something like that, something special that comes along, and you, and, you, and you live in that way. Instead of just populating more stuff that no one really needs, another sweater or another tie or something that's like, that's the exact wrong color. I don't even like that color. So my prayer for you is this Christmas is you might experience moments of relational giving from your friends and family they'll, they'll care about that are actually going to remember. The children in your life would learn from you what it means to give gifts that really matter. That your neighbors and co-workers would watch you celebrate Christmas differently. And through that, you, they hear the good news loud and clear through the seasonal static that the Word became flesh and dwells among us still. That is the Christian Christmas. That's the gift. A gift for your family, a gift for my family, the whole human family. And that's the last thing we learn about, that God's gift of Christ, it was for all. One size fits all. You don't have to return it. It was a gift given freely. And so God's gift to us was a relationship built on love. So it's no wonder why we've drawn to the idea that Christmas should be a time to love our friends and family in the most memorable ways possible. None of that is more real to me this year than it ever has been. Time is the real gift Christmas offers us. And no matter how hard we look, it can't be found at the mall. Time to make a gift that turns into the next family heirloom. Time to write mom or dad a letter before it's too late. Time to take the kids sledding or ice skating. Time to bake really good cookies. Build gingerbread houses. Every year. There are three things that we do. Get Hannah's tree up, do the gingerbread house, and get our family tree up, which is still not up. Because every night's been filled with something else. But those three things have to happen. Because they're relational. They're relational. And sing some really bad Christmas carols. So it's time to make love visible through our relational giving It's time to make memories. It's time to give more. Amen. And so the song, Give This Christmas Away, is one of our favorite songs in our household. And I want you to listen to the words. The the team is going to sing it, but we're also going to be showing the pictures from Feed the Need uh, behind it as well. And I want you to just think about what it means to give this Christmas away. 
what that really means to, to go out and to do something different, not only in our own families, but in the world. And just focus on the words and focus on these pictures.
one of the people that's going on. She's praying with someone and she just loved it. She just ate it up. It was just, she just felt like she was doing amazing things. And there was a whole uh, van load of people from some kind of a um, mentally challenged place. And so they were all here, but they were all smiles. They were all just so happy. And and they just came through and, and lit the place up. And there's this one, one lady, the whole story doesn't do it at all until right now. There's this one lady who comes and she's in a wheelchair. And we had her picture in the other role of stuff. But she stopped me to get a picture made with me because she loves getting a picture made with me every Christmas. She's just some older lady. But she feels loved here. She says, I always love coming here. I always feel loved and appreciated. May that be the same not only in this church, but in our lives, wherever we go. People say that they feel loved and appreciated when they're around us. Give this Christmas away. Christ gave his life away to us fully and faithfully. His body was broken for us. gathered this morning in the same way he gave his life to us. May we give our lives to others in service of him and give the great gift to Emmanuel, God with us. May we be God with us for others. Let us pray and let our servers come forward. Gracious God, as we receive this bread and this juice this morning, let's remember Emmanuel, you are God with us. You have come down and given us new life. Pour that new life into what we receive today and into us. Pour your Holy Spirit on these gifts of bread and juice. Let them be for us an example for you. Amen. I'm going to scooch by you. Would you help me get this stuff, please?
come and receive. Emmanuel, he has come for us. The incarnation, God with skin on. Come to free us from our, li- from our lives of the past to give us a new life of hope for the future. Receive this
sing joy to the world, for the Lord has come. Promised, I bring you great news of good tidings and great joy. A Savior has been born to you. We born to you again in the city of David, one who has come to save you from your sins. He is the gift of Christmas. And may we give the gift of Christmas away. Amen. Let's sing joyful, joyful before we go. Joyful, joyful.